This is the second podcast um, about the Champions League Volleyball Project, the CLVP. I did one in July, and um, you know, it's now it's January of 2023, and today we're going to look at uh, moving forward. What, what's the potential? What are the possibilities that could happen? You know, try to look into the future. I mean, nobody can really look into the future and tell you exactly what's going to happen, but uh, let's take a pe- peek and see maybe where this thing maybe can go why it might go there, you know, what the ramifications might be, what the challenges might be for it. Um, I'm going to call the Champions League Volleyball Project the CLVP moving forward just so it's just easier, less than a mouthful of words. Um, but just the concepts I think that, that, that at least I see from being in the sport of junior volleyball for over 40 years and what might be gained from it and, you know, the, the problems that, that may arise. So I think there's no question that the, the – the concept of the Champions League Volleyball Project is by far the, it's the best development model available for junior volleyball athletes if they're working to improve technicals, skills, and then also gain game experience. I mean, the, the way the formatting is put together and the amount of game reps and the amount of play time for every player is just, it, it's so much more and so much greater than what we normally see now in our normal tournament situations. So, and I think if you if you look at just a side to side comparison, let's take a normal let's just take a normal two day tournament generally that you go to. You're going to play probably about five matches over two days. Most of those matches are going to last an hour or less, so you're going to play maybe five hours of volleyball over that two day period. Generally, the top eight to nine players play most of the time. Uh, the next. Uh, 10, 11, 12, maybe 13th, 14th players aren't going to play nearly as much. Some may not play much at all. Uh, During that two days, you're going to be in the gym probably 10 to 11 total hours. And for those five hours of play, it's going to probably cost you about $450 to $500. So I think that's pretty standard for, you know, what we see in, in across the tournament series. And one of the things when we put together the Champions League project was we looked at the economics of it. We looked at the, the efficiencies of the models, and we try to build something that's completely different, not just improve on it, but basically blow it up and build something completely different. And if you look at the Champions League or the CLVP, they have a Tier 1, they have a Tier 2, and they have a Tier 3. Tier 2 is, we'll start with Tier 2. Tier 2 is in the middle. It's two days long. Over that two days long, it's three sessions. Um, but it's only two teams a court. So you play five hours the first day, two, two and a half hour sessions. You play three hours the second day. So you get eight total hours of play over those two days and you're on the court the entire time. There's about 30 or 40 minute total warm up time between all those rest of the time you're involved in some kind of component play. So you get about eight total hours of court time, uh, probably seven hours of gameplay at least cost is going to be $400. So it's cheaper already. Uh, we're estimating that you're going to get three to four times the number of ball contacts in game situations from just a regular two-day tournament. So that's a comparison with with Tier 2. Tier 3 is two days as well. Tier 3 are the lowest level. The younger kids and the classic level kids who are just playing club volleyball probably don't have aspirations to play in college but want to really have a good experience and play volleyball maybe to make their junior high or high school teams, but they're not there to be elite volleyball players. But, you know, their two days are four hours each day, so it's an eight-hour total eight-hour total set, total days or eight, eight, set, eight hours for the total two day, total days in the sessions. Uh, about seven and a half hours of play. The cost is, again, $400 for that two days. And probably far more contacts with this lower level group because you know 
from watching younger, inexperienced kids how much dead ball time there is in tournaments. I mean, you spend most of your time shagging. There's very little gameplay. And so the formatting that, that we put together for the Champions League, especially for the Tier 3, I mean, the kids get so much. I mean, I'm going to guess it's six, seven days of tournament play reps for every day of Champion League reps. So I think that's one of the things that is really valuable for these kids uh, that we're looking at. Uh, tier one is three days long, and tier one is going to be the highest level. The the teams that are what I would call club good club teams and up into open teams, and you know over the three days they're going to get ten hours of court time. Probably over nine of those is going to be live play, and the cost is going to be six hundred dollars. And so generally, it's rare that a three day tournament is going to be six hundred dollars. And so I think there's there's value right there just in that alone. But again, we talked about the normal play, and you know, generally you get seven to eight matches at uh, a normal three-day tournament. Here, you're getting ten hours of court time with, you know, multiple uh, times more reps. So, uh, just the efficiency of play, I think, is one of the things that we want to look at, and one of the things we tried to get to where we could change and give everybody an opportunity to get more value. And I think I mentioned in the first podcast about the Champions League was. The absolute biggest advantage of this concept is the customer service that it provides to every player on every team. It doesn't just provide customer service to the very best kids who are the superstars and are going to play all the time no matter what. But I think there's no way to replicate this in our normal setting because if you go to a normal tournament, you've got your seven or eight kids that have to play all the time because you're trying to win and move on and you're trying to do all these things. So. Um, the advantage to me is just the, the customer services brings in our sport, junior volleyball, because we are a business and we charge fees for our services. And one of the things that generally across the board in any business relationship, and, and we're, you know, we are a business relationship because we have customers that pay money to provide services for their individual children. And so they really, they would like to be on good teams. And I know we've talked in the past about people wanting to be on the best teams, but more importantly, Every player wants to receive the maximum uh, uh, chance and the opportunity to improve and be the best they can be. And I think one of the things that, you know, the reason that this, this Champions League concept, and I've been working on this for a couple of years, uh, it started as something a little bit different, but it evolved to this concept. And it's based on the, the 40 years of travel that I went through with the sports performance 18 elite team uh, in Illinois. I mean, for, you know, for, for 40 years, um, Cheryl and I were the directors of sports performance, and we took the 18 elite team all over the world. I mean, we were in Japan, I think, 16, 17 times, China a number of times, uh, Russia, Dominican Republic, Brazil. I mean, we went all over. Germany, uh, we went, went all over. And so one of the things that we did, though, was especially the trips to Asia, the trips to Japan especially. I mean, we've been to Japan, going to Japan. We went to Japan starting in 1983 and went, you know, for 40 years. And we have yet to ever play an official match in Japan. I mean, but with the Japanese trips, we got so much out of those trips based on the training model that we went through while we were there, which was just maximizing the competitiveness of every day that we were there. And, you know, I remember, I think I've, I may have talked about this in other podcasts, but uh, in 2013, we were there and we were playing the best high school team in Japan, say Toko High School. And, you know, they were, they were a powerhouse and the skill level of the Japanese uh, 
just pure skills at junior high and high school level is they're just phenomenal. I mean, they're not big, but their skills are just freaky good. And we were playing the best high school team in Japan that year, and that was a team that would eventually come back and, and not lose a set at, at the AAU where we won the 18 Open Championship. But we we were in Japan for, I think, a week, and if anybody's listening to this podcast who was on that trip, I mean, we ran the same drill five hours a day for an entire week. And we did not receive a single serve the entire time we were in Japan. We ran the same. It was a free ball drill. We ran the same drill for a week. And it was just brutal because the rallies would go 30, 40 seconds. I mean, and, you know, we would play to seven. You have to win by two. But because you had to win by two, some of the games would go to, you know, 12-10 or 14-12. And, you know, a lot of the rallies would last close to a minute, like I said. But it was just brutal. And, but we came back. I don't think we lost a set after we came back from Japan. And the level of intensity and the ability that we had to go through to grind at a high level uh, against another team across the net from us was one of the things that was so crucial. And you don't get that when you play tournaments. You, you have plenty of time to rest. And you're, you, know, you're, you go to the gym and play a three a four-team pool and you're going to play three matches and probably play less than three hours but you get there at seven in the morning and you might not leave till three in the afternoon so there's lots of sitting around there's lots of downtime there's really never there's almost never a time when you have to grind to the point where you're just on the edge of fatigue and you know you you don't know if you're going to drop or not and one of the things that brings out the best in people is how they handle those challenging situations and generally we can't get that in our own gym we can scrimmage in our own gym and we can run drills in our own gym but we don't get opportunities to really go to our limits and, and go to the edge of our of our abilities uh, in in our own gym because generally there's not you know we don't have that many teams that are going to push our best teams at that level or the teams aren't balanced enough so the person teams across the net from you are the same as your team so but the the Champions League model came out of that idea is how do we how do we develop this model that allows every single player to maximize their skill development. Because to me, it goes back to business first because anytime you charge for a service, whether you charge a penny, a dollar, $1,000, whatever you charge, then you're, you're obligated to provide a service. And so one of the things that you have to ask yourself, and you know, you've seen this, and if you're a club director or a coach, and you go away to a tournament, and you know, you're all excited because your team is playing at a really high level, but there's three or four kids at the end of the bench that aren't playing. You know, and they may be happy for the team, but let's not kid ourselves. They're not happy. And mom and dad who might've driven hours and hours to watch them play to support their children and who paid eight or 10 bucks a day to get the tournament. And then they see that there's very little or no playing time. You know, it's frustrating. And, you know, we know most kids quit sports because they don't play. They lack a playing time. And so this Champions League volleyball project to me, it's the most revolutionary thing that we can do within the junior volleyball community to address that single issue alone. Not only that, but to provide a lot more opportunities for every player. And I'm going to get into some of the other things that, that I think it does for us. But I think that's one of the reasons that, that I see this as something that could be a real positive. Um, what's the future of the CLVP? I'm not sure. I mean, you know, it's hard to say. It's brand new. Uh, it's an idea that's been fermenting my head for the last several years. And, you know, we've had lots of conversations with it. Um, with other people, I've had lots of conversations about it. I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't understand the concept. We've had a couple of play days and the parents and the kids who didn't understand it at all came into it. And once they saw it, they were ecstatic about it. They loved it because it just, it gave everybody way more opportunity to showcase their skills and improve their skills in, in games, in the game environment. So I think that's one of the things. What else is going to happen? Well, 
you know this, and you can bet 100% that if it starts to become successful, you know, the attacks are going to start, and the smear campaign is going to start, and it won't be far behind. Because one of the things that this junior volleyball community is, it's built around tournament play. And tournament play means one thing, it means money. And so one of the things that you'll, that, that, that I'm sure, and we're sure of, is that, you know, we're not, it's not going to be too long before we're in the sights of, you know, certain organizations and certain people. Um, I think it's easier for people to attack you. If you're working hard to be better, it's easier for them to attack you than for them to attain better for themselves by working harder. I mean, you know, we, we live in a, we live in an age of cowards. I mean, cowards blame and they complain uh, as opposed to going out and, you know, fighting to be better on the things they have to do. If somebody's, if somebody's better than you, then you fight to be better than them. And, you know, when I first started coaching, there were several coaches that I had just, I wanted to beat more than anything else in the world. But there wasn't a second ever in my life that I thought about trying to do any damage to those people so I could be, beat them, so I could be ahead of them. I wanted to beat them on, on merit. I wanted to beat them on uh, my skill. I wanted to work harder to be better than them. There was no time that I ever wanted a player on their team to get hurt. I didn't want anything to happen to the coach. I wanted to earn my right to be the best. And I think that's one of the things in this day and age. It's, you know, things have changed a lot. So uh, we see that coming. I think that's one of the things that, that for sure we're going to see, I think, as the Champions League model develops and grows. And we expect that. I think that's going to be one of the things that um, is probably coming shortly because it's, you know, one of the things that we want in this is we want to change the way clubs do business. I mean, we literally want to change the way clubs do business. We want clubs to be in a business-to-business relationship like most businesses are in the country. Uh, if clubs do business with each other, they're going to be a lot more efficient. They're going to be able to get what they want. They're going to be able to build a model that better fits what they're doing. And I've talked in previous podcasts about what happened to the boys. The boys volley, the junior boys left USA Volleyball. They went to AAU because, you know, for whatever reasons, you know. But across the board, because we're all invested in this in this club, junior club community, it's our money that pays the bills. You know, we're not being, we're not being, you know, uh, money's not being supplemented to us by these other organizations. We're not being subsidized by funds from these other organizations. We're basically paying the freight for everybody else. And so we should have the say in what we do. And so it's one of the things that, you know, a group of us, a group of us clubs have decided, you know, we're going to, we're going to take this on and we're going to see how it goes because we think it fits better for our customers. We really don't care about the other organizations. We're not doing it for, to spite anybody. We're just doing it because we think this provides a much better service. And the feedback we've gotten so far is just that we're a thousand percent right, that it does provide a much better service. So, uh, you know, we'll have to take that when it comes. You know, it's, um, it's for sure it's going to, it'll be coming soon. But, you know, it's one of the things I think when, uh, you know, if you're not doing something right, then people aren't going to attack you. And so I think that's one of the things that we see is we have to, we have to look at what the best, what the best, plan is going forward because I mentioned an earlier podcast about the corporatization of junior volleyball and you guys know it I mean we've we've talked about it and I think you're, you probably know people who are involved in it but you know one of the things that that we that we look at is what about all those clubs that haven't been bought by a corporation you know they're they're not you know they're not at the they're not in this network and uh, you know, so what does the landscape of junior volleyball look like for the next five years? And, you know, I'm going to use a couple of analogies. I mean, what happens to the tribes of clubs uh, that are beginning to work together and they congregate towards events run by their corporate 
sponsors or their corporate masters. What happens? I mean, what will happen? I mean, it, you know, it's already happening and it's, you know, it should. I mean, there's nothing wrong with people who all have the same goals and same ideologies and maybe they're under the same umbrella to do a lot of business together. But one of the things it does is it, it builds, it builds division within the junior volleyball community because, you know, every club's not going to get, not going to be bought out. Every club director is not going to make a lot of money being by selling his club to somebody else. So one of the things that, that we have to look at is we have to look at how do we build not only an alternative model, but how do we also protect each other and make sure that this model can grow and develop? Because this is a, this is an, this is a very beginning first early stage incubation model. I mean, it, who knows where this is going to go? But I think it's got tremendous potential to develop into something that's far bigger than anything that we envision right now. And, you know, we have to get it off the ground first. And, you know, there's, we know, again, that the attacks are going to come. But also, I think I've said in other podcasts that there's going to be a lot of changes and a lot of bumps and, and, and rough spots in the junior landscape community going forward. I mean, it's just the one thing you're going to see is you're going to see total capitulation based on money and dollars that's what you're going to see. You're going to see that above everybody else because that's what, you know, cap, that's what capitalism is. Capitalism is driven by money. And a lot of people are, you know, their, their number one priority is, is dollars and cents. And they first, they do things first and foremost based on what's in the best interest of their pocketbook. And, you know, that's, you know, do, whether you do that or don't do that, I think that's a, <laughs> that maybe is, uh, that's a discussion to have later. It's not discussion to have here. But I think one of the things that we have to look at is we have to look at, when the CLVP is founded, you know, what are we working towards? I mean, and here's our, here's our four, I guess our four tenets, the four things we want the most. We want to first maximize player development for every dues-paying customer. And, you know, that's the, the more you can have, the more you're working towards 100% customer satisfaction based on money spent and the, and the, you know, the happiness of your customer. And that's generally the player that goes home to mom and dad and either says, I had a great time or I had a terrible time. That, and you, all, you guys know that. I mean, you know, the parents do pay, but the players are the customers. So if the players go home and they're happy, uh, you know, then mom and dad are generally going to be happy. I think that's it. So we want to maximize the, the development of every player. We want to save clubs and parents money while we provide a superior product. We want, to, we want clubs to spend less money. There's, too much, there's far too much money being spent in junior volleyball right now. We have, a, we have a great system, but it's so ungodly inefficient. There's so much money being spent. And I've talked in the past about, you know, all the money that goes into junior volleyball. And, you know, we spend by far the most money in the world, but we're not winning Olympic gold medals. And it's not the national team's fault. It's just that, you know, this big, huge model, it's, it's a behemoth model of junior volleyball, but it's built around all these money-making ventures that don't really provide the greatest services. Uh, so I think that's another thing. We want to save money. We want to save the parents' money because if you can save your parents' money on travel and entry fees and all these other things, then they generally have more expendable dollars that they might be able to spend in your club. So it might keep, you, might keep your club healthier financially if you're not spending all this money to go out and do all these other things. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, we also want to protect the Champions League clubs. I mean, we want the club partners that come together to form this Champions League, we want them to be protected from outside forces. And I think that's one of the things that could potentially damage one club or a lot of clubs is if they're in an area where, you know, several other clubs got together, froze them out, ganged up on them, whatever they wanted to do. We want to make sure that we can protect each other. The other thing we want to do is 
we want to be able to share and educate and help each other's clubs. And, you know, I've had a lot of experience coaching. We have some really good, good coaches in the, uh, within the network of the Champions League Volleyball Project. And we want every club to get stronger. I mean, we don't want anything different than every other club wants. I mean, I, I came from a club, you know, sports performance that was playing for national championships at the highest level every single year. You know, our attitudes haven't changed at all. But what we, so we have to do is we have to improve all the people that we partner with. How do we make everybody else better? Because generally across the board, it's got to be a win-lose. We want a win-win. We want, I want every club that we compete against in the Champions League to be better because then the club that I'm with will also get better. They will force to get better because everybody around them is going to get better. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a level of protection there. And we want to encourage an all-in model for the Champions League because we're going to share profits. And most of the profit from the Champions League is going to go back to the clubs who were involved in the Champions League. So the more money you spend with the Champions League, the more money you get back. And so not only are you spending less in entry fee than normal tournaments, you're going to get a check back at the end of the year. And I don't know how big the checks are going to be, but you're going to get a check back at the end of the year. So I think that's one of the things that is really attractive to one of the things that I see is really attractive is to allow clubs to be involved in something that's extremely unique, compared to what they're normally used to be involved in. They pay less money to be involved in it, and then they get a check back at the end of the year. So by doing that, we're encouraging every club to be all in at all levels because, you know, it's a better opportunity for their kids, and also they're going to get money. They're going to get more money back by the end of the year. So I think that's one of the things that uh, is very important. Again, I'm going to say, what does the future look like? It's hard to say, but we talked earlier about there's going to be enemies, there's going to be fire, there's going to be attacking. Think about a couple of things. Just as a junior volleyball club director, what if you only went to four or five tournaments total in a year? What if that's all you had to go to, regular tournaments? You know, what about recruiting? Think about college coaches. College coaches go to a tournament. they got to go from court to court. They may have to wait two or three hours to watch your team play. What if they could get on a video camera on a streaming site or they could come to a gym and they could watch your star player who they're recruiting play for two and a half hours straight in all the hardest situations. How does she play when she's tired? How does she play when she's getting beat on? How does she play when, you know, she's struggling? I mean, think about all the all the evaluation time that goes into college coaches trying to evaluate players. And think about if you could watch somebody just go straight for two hours, you know, and you could see them at their best, at their worst, so forth. So I think... You know, and then the last one is like, what about the health of the athlete, you know, in terms of overuse injuries, normal wear and tear, things like that. So when I say that there's going to be a lot of people upset, there's going to be a lot of people probably coming after us. Think about what the junior landscape community would look like if every club only played four or five tournaments. Let's say you played a President's Day tournament, you played a mid-year event, you played maybe another year tournament towards the end of the year, then you went to nationals. But you, let's say you had 12 or 15 days of Champions League. You know, something like that. You know, you've got a really, really busy schedule, but, you know, your schedule is is much more productive than what you have right now. Just think about downtime. Think about reps. Think about game reps. Think about all the players that need more game reps that don't get them because you've got teams that are out there competing at the highest level trying to be the best they can be, but, you know, you're trying to win. And, you know, again, I know exactly what, you, I know exactly what you're talking about. Nobody's saying that that's not, you know, something that shouldn't be, shouldn't be attained or, or that's something you shouldn't be working towards. But, you know, I think this is why this model is, is so interesting for a lot of people. And it's going to be, 
it's going to be something that people don't understand until they can see it in play. And also, it's an evolving product. I mean, you know, I've written uh, a lot of information on it, and I've put a lot of work into it. But every day, it changes. I mean, every day it evolves, and every day it changes because one of the things that, you know, you're able to do is you're able to uh, allow all your players to to kind of go along together at the same at the same ability and generally you see you know kids come out of a weekend of this you know they they feel like they've improved and grown so much because the time that they've touched the ball in game situations is so much greater than in a normal tournament and you know you need these normal tournaments I'm not saying that you don't but I've talked in the past about American kids play more volleyball matches by far than anybody else in the world you know most Elite players play well over 100 matches a year, where in other countries it's 30 or 40 or maybe 50, but generally 30 or 40. And so we're not going to be worse as a country if we play less official matches. We just need to be more efficient in the way we're playing. So it, it, this is interesting. It's, you know, for me, it's, it's, you know, I remember when the JVA started because I was there at the beginning when the JVA was founded and, and all the flack that the JVA got. But, you know, the JVA, you know, because the JVA partnered with AAU, the JVA was there and responsible for creating, you know, what now is the biggest volleyball, junior volleyball tournament in the world. And a lot of good things came out of the JVA. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of competitive clubs grew, uh, their models grew, uh, the rivalries grew between those clubs. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. I mean, you know, as I look at the CLVP now and where I think it can go in the next two or three years, I mean, I'm looking forward to, you know, expanding the tier, tier, um, concept. I'm looking forward to also having uh, Champions League tournaments besides tier events, but tournaments with alter- alternative formatting where we can make sure that all the players uh, are getting, you know, more play. And also we're resting our best players. And so we will have format changes. I'm looking forward to that as well, because if people, once they understand the concept, I think it's going to be something that they're going to say, this is far better for long-term athletes, long-term health of an athlete. So uh, we'll see where it goes, but I uh, hope everybody's doing well. I think a lot of people were out playing this weekend, starting the season. So I want to wish all you guys the best and a happy and healthy and a blessed uh, 2023 and uh, take care and goodbye.